Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, where we share practical tips, useful insight, and words of encouragement to help you have a peaceful, positive relationship with your teen and parent from a place of calm. I'm Dr. Cam, your host, and today I'm joined by Sam, a professional speaker, lifestyle coach, and personal trainer in long-term recovery from substance use disorder. He uses his personal experiences with drugs, alcohol, depression, anxiety, suicidal behavior, recovery, mental fitness, spiritual fitness, and physical fitness to educate and motivate both adults and teenagers. Sam, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me and thanks for the wonderful introduction. Oh yeah, absolutely. Your story is incredible. Um, from where you started, which is kind of a lot of parents' worst nightmare of where you started, right? From the age of 12 yes. um, to where you are now, which is just this enormous transformation where you've taken something and turned it into helping thousands, millions of people, right? So share us your story. Tell it to us. Yeah, I like to say that I was able to take my mess and turn it into a message. Nice. You know, um, I don't want to, I don't want to go into a long winded story. So I'll just kind of give you the, the cliff notes version. But, um, you know, growing up, I was full of anxiety. Um, I didn't know it was anxiety at the time. Um, I never really felt like I fit in anywhere. Um, the way I felt about myself, I wasn't smart. I wasn't funny. I wasn't popular. I wasn't handsome. I wasn't athletic. I wasn't charming. Um, you know, I don't know what other people thought about me, but growing up, I was always really concerned about what I thought you thought about me. Yeah. I realized when I took that drink, all those feelings went away. There was no more depression. There was no more anxiety. And at the end of the day, once that drink was in me, I didn't really care what you thought about me. Now, I didn't know that um, I had uh, the ism. Uh, I had alcoholism. I didn't realize that until a little bit later on in life. But looking back, I can see the alcoholic and addiction tendencies mm. uh, growing up, you know, just from the progressive nature of the way everything happened. My first drink at 12, my first cigarette at 13, my first time I smoked weed was 14, prescription pills at 16, ecstasy at 17, uh, powder cocaine at 19 and 20. And then I tried a geographical cure. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey and I figured that all of my problems were situational, people, places, and things. If I can get away from these people that are doing mm. these things in these places, that Sam will be just fine. So I left New Jersey and I moved to Virginia where I still live today with my wife and two kids. And um, the problem is when I got down here, everywhere I went, there I was. Uh, changing my location did not change what the real problem was, which was right here. Um, you know, I've been addicted to a lot of things. You know, I was a pack of Newports a day smoker for a long time, a wake and bake weed smoker for a long time, prescription pills, ecstasy, cocaine. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was never about going up or going down. It was never about getting really high or really low. I just did not want to be right here. Mm. You know, it wasn't anti-anxiety medication. It wasn't anti-pain medication. It was all anti-SAM 
medication. Now I was so uncomfortable in my own skin that I didn't know how to wake up or go to bed without taking something on a a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, eventually the progressive nature of addiction is that you will do more um, to receive the same results, to get the same high, but you will also do more um, risky behavior to achieve that goal. And unfortunately, that led to an accidental overdose in 2013, where I almost lost my life. Um, After that, I uh, had a long bout of recovery. Um, But the problem is, uh, when somebody that suffers from addiction starts to get well, we automatically forget how bad things were. And that's what happened to me. And I had a relapse in 2015. My addiction took me to a place where I didn't want to go. I got in a little bit of trouble, ended up spending 30 days in jail, uh, and then that's when I decided, okay, you know, enough is enough. Uh, so I decided to write a book um, just to share my story. Hopefully it can help somebody out. I shared my story in a school one day. And when I stepped off of that stage, that was the best high I ever had. And I didn't know how, I didn't know where, I didn't know when. I just knew that I needed to do that again. Mm. Um, so I quit my full-time job as the assistant fitness director at One Life Fitness to pursue my speaking career. Uh, speaking was going really well. I was traveling all across the country, standing on stage, helping you know hundreds of thousands of teens with, that were able to relate to my story. Uh, and then unfortunately COVID hit. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was not immune to the disaster that is 2020. Um, It shut my business down. So now I'm pivoting uh, to a virtual platform and I've started personal training again, um, offering personal training in person and online. And I also am uh, putting together a youth mentorship program that will be ready soon because I'm a huge fan of peer support. There's so much power and two broken people sharing their story of recovery with each other, whether that recovery is from suicidal ideology, depression, anxiety, eating disorder, addiction, pornography, whatever it is, there's power in those two people working their problems out together. Um, And I always tell parents, you know, your kids might need somebody to talk to. They don't have to talk to you, but they have to talk to somebody. There's going to be some kids somewhere that will relate to me and my story and the way that I was able to overcome it And if I can help that person learn from my mistakes so they don't have to make their own, then everything that I've went through is all worth it. That's amazing. That is an incredible story. And the fact that you were able to take something, I mean, so beyond low and turn it into something so amazing that you can, you know, you're going to be able to save kids' lives because they're going to hear your story and turn around. And I know from a parent perspective, You know, if we see our kids, a lot of us are terrified they're going to get caught up in something like this, or we already know they are because, like I said, I have talked to a ton of teens and the idea of drinking and marijuana and smoking, mostly jewels now, is like, well, everyone does it. Like, that's the attitude they have. Everyone does it. And now it's, you know, marijuana is legal in a lot of states. So it's like, so what's the big deal? So as a parent, you, you're like, I know they're not supposed to do that because that seems bad, but what am I supposed to do and how do I talk to them about it? So what advice do you have for us if we're in that situation? I would say don't focus so much on what they're doing versus why they're doing it, okay? Whether it's marijuana or jewels or alcohol, that is merely a symptom of the problem. Mm. Um, you know, we were talking before this and I said, you know, when I was in the middle of my, you know, hardcore alcoholism, 
alcohol was not my problem. It was the absence of alcohol that really aggravated my condition. Alcohol made me feel normal. So when you took it away, there was a really big problem right here in my gut, in my soul, in my heart, in my mind. And alcohol was the solution to that problem that was inside. So when you took that away, I needed to find a way to fix that. And the way that I fixed that was with spiritual fitness, mental fitness, and physical fitness. Those are my three pillars of recovery. Those are the three pillars that keep me grounded. And it's very important to keep all three in succession at all times because that's my three-legged chair. And if you take away one leg of a three-legged chair, it becomes unstable. If you take away one of my components, it becomes unstable. Mm -hmm. And that happened to me during this quarantine. You know, I wasn't able to go to the gym as much. I wasn't able to go to church. I wasn't able to go to meetings of recovery. And for a while there in the middle of this quarantine, I was unstable until I realized what was going on. I was able to pivot, make the adjustments and get back on track. So it's not so much that your kid is smoking weed. It's why are they smoking weed? Uh, is there an underlying medical condition? Are they smoking weed because they're depressed? Or That's is their depression one. a symptom of them smoking weed, which mm -hmm. came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm -hmm. Well, the only real way to find that out is with clinical diagnosis and removing uh, the variable, which is marijuana, so we can get a clear understanding of what's going on. You know, are they depressed? Are they full of anxiety? Is there a certain level of uncomfort of, uh, you know, social interaction with other people? And that's the only way they didn't know how to do that. You know, once we get to the root cause of what the problem is, then we can start to work on the solution. And that would incorporate not only taking away the variable, the jewel, the, the, the marijuana, the alcohol, but also working with a, a mentor, a coach, a counselor, uh, your pastor, your spiritual advisor to get to the root cause and fix those problems so you can learn to be comfortable in your own skin and not have to rely on a substance to feel better. Yeah. So Sam, one of the things when you're saying remove the variable, my I, I have warning signs going in my head because I see, you know, parents saying, you know, forbidding it or saying no more, going through their rooms and taking it out of their drawers and things like that, which I've seen a lot of people do because you're like panicked. Um, that tends to backfire because I feel like that ends up really creating a rift between the parent and teen, losing that trust. Um, so how do you recommend we take and start removing that variable without having that um, issue between us and our teen where we're, we're harming the relationship and we're still able to get to the root of it? You have to have the plan in place. It's not just taking this away and yelling at them. It's sitting down and asking them, why are you doing this? And if you have an honest heart-to-heart -heart conversation, they'll probably tell you, well, okay, we're going to take this away, but once a week, we're going to start meeting you know, with this person. And again, whether that's your counselor, your coach, or you, or me, or somebody of that nature, uh, it's having that, that follow-up um, structure in place, okay? You know, you're doing it because you're bored. Okay, what, what do you want to do in replace of this? Do we need to get you, buy you a guitar and get you less? Do we need to start horseback riding? Do we need to get a gym membership? Do we need to go um, hiking once a week? There needs to be something to replace that. And one of the mm -hmm. best things that you can do as a parent is lead by example and jump on board with whatever your child's doing and do that with them. Yeah, that's amazing to be able to say, okay, I'm with you on this. And I understand that this is tough. I mean, they're, they're doing it. They become addicted just even with the behavior of it's addictive, right? Their peers are doing it. I talk to a lot of people where they go and they hang out with all their friends. Their friends are doing it. So they don't want to, they want to fit in. 
So they start doing it that way, right? So it's being able to understand and have enough strength in who you are, but as a parent to be able to come and say, we're going to do this together. This is not you go fix this. This is let's us fix this and work together on this. I really, really think that that's a great, great way to address that. Well, and it's not only, and you've been brought it up seven times, uh, multiple times that, you know, a lot of times they see their friends doing it. They see their peers doing it. Um, but a lot of times they also see their parents doing it, mm -hmm. you know, and it's yeah. not to take a shot at anybody. There's nothing wrong with going home and having a glass of wine after work if you've had that's a long good. day. But if that's something that you do consistently day after day after day, you know, there's people, there might be young people in your home that are watching you do this. Mm -hmm. And maybe it, I got my first cigarette from my dad. No offense mm. to my dad, he was a good guy, but if I didn't see him smoking, I probably never would have picked up my first cigarette or I would have picked it up later in life. Mm. You know, so learned behavior is everywhere and it goes positive and negative. So if your child's watching you come home every day and run to the cabinet to take a, a pill mm. or a drink, that's going to be what they learn. If they watch you come home every day and sit down and, uh, you know, do a yoga class uh, on YouTube or go to your gym, home gym to work out, that's going to be what they learn. So that learned behavior goes both ways. Yeah. And I guess if you're doing that and you want to teach your teen the right thing, that's a great opportunity to say, okay, maybe I need to find a healthier way to manage my own stuff, right? If we're turning to some of these things, we're not only teaching our teens, but we're getting in very unhealthy habits as well. So, yeah. you know, being able, I think, having kids definitely is an enormous mirror thrown in your face all the time. Like you can't hide anything. No, and it starts at a young age. I've got a three and a half year old and he sees daddy waking up in the morning and pouring a cup of coffee. He goes, what's that? I want some too. And we're just talking coffee. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're not talking scotch on the rocks. It's coffee. <laughs> right. So coffee. It's, it's the that learned behavior starts yeah. at a very, very young age, but he also sees me working out in the garage and he says, daddy, can I go work out with you in the garage? And even if that's just him playing with the bands in there, you know, or, or picking up a little two and a half pound plate and acting like he's working out, that's another positive learned behavior that he's seeing because that's what daddy's doing. Right. And I, one of the reasons that um, I think both of us are really focused on adolescence in that year, that time frame, is because that's when our brain is creating the most connections. And so if we're creating, if they're creating connections that are tied to drinking and smoking and doing these things, those are going to be even harder to overcome because they've been really set in place during adolescence. So yeah. this is the best time to teach them healthy habits. So those are the connections and kind of their defaults rather than these other, these other negative ways of dealing with their emotions and their feelings and kind of drowning out things, right? Exactly. So Sam, you have, you were talking about your mentorship program. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how if parents are interested, how they can, how they can find you? Yes. So I haven't launched it yet. I'm in the process of putting it together. And what it is, is it's 12 chapters. We would be doing a six week program, two chapters a week, and they're short online chapters. It could be a five minute read. It could be a three minute video um, because these kids are already so overwhelmed and spending so much screen time already. I don't want the mentorship program to feel like work. I want them to look forward to going to, oh, I wonder what the next chapter was because this one really hit home for me because I feel like that too. And 
we're going to talk about things like, uh, you know, anxiety and, you know, different ways to deal with it. Um, you know, certain things about how, you know, how you're feeling inside. I'd say one of my favorite chapters is probably watch what you put in your body. And when I say that, most people assume that I'm talking about food. And yes, while what you eat has a huge impact on how you feel physically and mentally, I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about social media. You know, what are you looking for? What are you looking at when you scroll through your feed? Are you constantly scrolling through everybody's highlight reel and comparing your insides to their outsides? Yeah. What are you watching on TV? You know, for me, uh, being in long-term recovery, I can't watch movies like Scarface and Blow and watch people sitting there doing drugs and drinking. Mm. It's, it, it has an effect on me. Mm. I can't refer to myself as a spiritual person and drive around and listen to a rapper sell crack on the radio and talking about disrespecting women. You know, what are you putting in your body? What are you listening to? What are you looking at? What are you reading? What are you watching on the news? Unfortunately, for a while, I became victim of it too in putting on the news and listening to the coronavirus numbers and watching the death numbers go up like a ticker on NASDAQ, that was not, that was not healthy for me. So I had to watch what I was putting in my body and I had to turn off the news. I had to delete my social media apps for a while. I had to put on some positive music. I had to listen to a positive inspirational, motivational podcast or YouTube video. So I'd say that's probably, you know, one of my favorite chapters that we'd be going over mm. in the youth mentorship program. Um, so it would be six weeks, one zoom call a week, two chapters a week. Um, and just kind of, you know, getting to the root cause of why are you feeling the way that you're feeling and how can we give you some tangible things to tools for life um, to move forward one day at a time so you can feel better about yourself and, you know, how you're living. Right. And I think a really key point of this is you're working with the teens because it needs to be their decision to do this. Yes. And I think a lot of parents want to go, okay, we got to cut off social media. We got to cut off what you're watching. We got to cut off this. And it becomes this, I'm controlling you. I'm making you do this. They're not wanting to do it, which means they're just going to find ways around it, right? Yeah. It all of a sudden becomes more desirable to them. They're going to get, they're a lot smarter than we are when it comes to technology. So they're going to find a way. They yeah. always, always find a way. So if we're just saying no and not getting to the root, not getting them on board and motivating them, not getting, you know, to the point where they understand and it's their decision. We're not teaching or helping them. We're actually making matters worse, right? Yes. And there's going to be, obviously it would be the parent's decision to sign their child up for a mentorship program. So I would have a pre-call with the parent. And then I would also have a pre-call with the potential, you know, team that I'd be working in. And if they don't want to work with me, we're not doing it because it's going to be, you know, unremarkable for them yeah. and for me. It's yeah. like an alcoholic being forced to go to a meeting just to get his boss or his wife off their back. You right. know, they might stay sober for a couple of weeks, but once the heat is off, they're going to go right back to doing what they're doing. So, yeah. you know, it has to be their decision to want to take steps to better themselves. And that's what it's all about is taking steps to better themselves. Let's work on some of these life skills that you're not learning in the classroom. Right. Right. And from a parent's perspective, you can get to that place if they're not there. That really requires the empathy, the listening, the encouragement, all of that, so that your teens are feeling like, okay, I can do something. And I've got mom and dad supporting me doing this, right? This is about mm -hmm. me getting better, not fixing me because I'm broken, right? So it's mm -hmm. like about growing. So- and 
Can I can I jump in really quick? Please do. So it, it's funny you say the word empathy. Are you familiar with uh, Simon Sinek or Simon Sinek? Uh, yes, very much. So yes. he has uh, a brief moment where he talks about empathy and he mm -hmm. says, you know, we've all had that boss that walks into your office and say, hey, your numbers are down for your third quarter in a row. If you don't pick them up, you're fired. Right. That person's not going to be very motivated to come back to work yeah. versus the empathetic version, which would be, hey, I've noticed your numbers are down for three quarters in a row. Is everything okay? Mm -hmm. Is there a problem at home? Mm -hmm. Is there something I can do to help you? And it's the same with your kid. Hey, I noticed you got another C on a test. If you do that again, you're grounded. They're not going to be very motivated to want to do better. Mm -mm. Hey, I noticed that you got another C. Is something bothering you? Are you having problems in school? Is there an issue with your teacher in the way that you're learning? Do we need to change something? Do we need to get you a tutor? You know, that would be the empathetic approach. Mm -hmm. And that is an enormous, enormous way to strengthen your relationship, to empower your kids. And I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so how do they find you? Where's which uh, website? Uh, so samanthonyspeaks.com. Uh, if they're interested in the coaching, whether it's uh, virtual training, in-home training, or just being notified when the youth mentorship program is available, samanthonyspeaks.com forward slash coaching, or just kick on the coaching link. There's a contact form that you can fill out and I'll put you on my um, list to be notified or contact you um, to talk about um, personal training, if that's something you're interested in as well. Uh, you can find me across all social media platforms. Um, it's Sam Anthony Lucania or Sam Anthony Speaks, depending on which platform you're on. And my social media links are also at the bottom of my website. And I'll include them all with this as well so everyone can you. find you. Um, so any parting words of encouragement for us parents? I always say that you're, all, you're only as sick as your secrets. You're only as sick as your secrets. Your kids do not have to talk to you, but they mm -hmm. have to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely encourage you if there's something going on with your teen and they won't open up to you, find somebody that they can open up to. And I will say that mentorship and counseling is a lot like dating. You know, we've all been on a bad date before. Mm. We didn't mm, stop dating you. after that. We continued to date until we found somebody that we can relate to. It's the same thing with mentorship, peer support, and counseling. I've been to a bad counselor before. Or we just didn't mesh. We did not connect. Our relationship did not hit it off. Yeah. I didn't stop counseling. I went and found another one until I found one that worked. So don't automatically cut off the idea that counseling or mentorship doesn't work just because you had one bad experience, mm. okay? Make sure that you give it a couple tries and find somebody that you can relate with so this person can build a long-term relationship and get the help that they need. That is so important. Your teen has to trust them, has to trust them and feel like they're on their side for Absolutely. them to share. So that's beautiful. So Sam, thank you so very, very much for jumping on. I really appreciate this. And your story is just so incredible um, and very inspiring and very encouraging because there is hope and we can get through this. Thank you so, very much. I like to say that God took the ugliest and darkest parts of my life and didn't just fix them. Somehow he managed to turn them into something beautiful. It's amazing how that happens. Mm -hmm. I love it. All Thanks. right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye, Bye. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS. 
so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.